0: Welcome to The Essential Rhythm, science-based natural history and human ecology of the North Atlantic seashore. This is episode 15, in praise of the generalist. In trying to understand the evolutionary adaptations of an organism, scientists tend to place it somewhere on a spectrum of specialization, from organisms adapted to use a wide variety of resources, to organisms with highly specific needs and behaviors with respect to resource acquisition and use. It's widely accepted that seagulls are generalists when it comes to diet. One source remarked that they are perhaps the least specialized of all the seabirds, which is quite an honorific. Even as generalists, gulls are apex predators in their food web. Their diet consists of fish, marine invertebrates, terrestrial insects, earthworms, grain, eggs, chicks, and adults of birds, including their own species, small mammals, as well as trash fishing boat waste, and sewage. Generalization doesn't only apply to their food sources, but their feeding behaviors as well. In addition to the dropping of shellfish on rocks mentioned in episode 13, gulls can plunge dive for fish just a foot or two below the surface of the water or for benthic organisms in shallow water, forage directly on the ground at low tide, surface feed in association with deeper foraging species like whales or human fishers, Gulls take advantage of the whales driving small fish to the surface, and practice kleptoparasitism, also known as stealing food from other species. So, when a seagull steals your sandwich at the beach, you've been kleptoparasitized. In terrestrial environments, seagulls employ the same kind of ground foraging you would see in the intertidal zone, and have developed an ingenious dancing technique where they stamp their feet on the ground, simulating the sound of rain, driving earthworms to the surface. There's even a population of gulls in the southern hemisphere that has learned to take bites of the skin and flesh from the backs of southern right whales when they surface to breathe. Being a generalist in terms of food resources can be a real advantage. If you aren't a picky eater, it makes it easier to find something to eat. And it seems that gulls have been able to utilize increases in human trash to their advantage and recover from population lows in the earliest 20th century caused more by human predation than lack of food. Being adapted to utilize terrestrial food sources can also be a benefit as terrestrial sources are often more predictable than sources in the open ocean or even food in the intertidal, which is predictable but is inaccessible twice a day in much of many goals range. One question researchers have been asking for decades now is whether feeding on terrestrial resources and anthropogenic refuse has a negative impact on these birds. The idea is that they're evolved to primarily feed on marine food sources, and terrestrial and anthropogenic food might not have the most beneficial suite of nutrients, either for growth and maintenance or breeding. The flip side to this idea is that gulls have easily met nutritional requirements that can be fulfilled from a variety of sources, and that this nutritional generalization is an evolved and adaptive trait. A key metric for exploring this question is breeding success. Laying and incubating eggs and feeding, rearing, and successfully fledging young are the most resource-intensive parts of any organism's life. You will see the impact of nutritional deficiencies here if they exist. The findings of various studies that looked at this question are mixed and can be summed up as, it's complicated. Most studies found that even though we think of gulls, and most studies looked at herring gulls in particular, as generalists, at the species level, at the population level, there is some specialization. Some populations feed on marine invertebrates the majority of the time. Other populations use human refuse. Even within populations, individuals tend to specialize. One study found that within a population of gulls in Scotland, 75% of them specialized in one food source, and only a quarter could be considered true generalists, evenly distributing their food procurement across a variety of sources. Some studies found that specialists in marine food sources did better than trash eaters or generalists. Other studies found that trash eaters did better, as trash tends to consist of high-energy fat and protein food waste. Some studies found that trash eaters had thinner shells and less nutrient-dense yolks, in part due to lower calcium and manganese content of trash relative to marine-derived food sources. Others found differences in various stages of reproduction between marine invertebrate specialists, trash specialists, and generalist feeders, but those differences disappeared when the young fledged, which in many ways is the ultimate measure of breeding success. Which just goes to show that As with most scientific inquiries, the answer you get depends on the question you ask, and our simple, broad-scale questions often fail to yield clear results. That failure isn't a bad thing if it drives us forward and forces us to parse and explore nuance and drill down to different levels of scale. And we'll continue to look at the questions we ask of gulls and the answers they have for us in future episodes. This has been episode 15 of The Essential Rhythm, written and produced by me, Sarah O'Malley. The theme music is Lightstream by the artist Sid Hartha, used by permission through Creative Commons. Thanks for listening, and join us next week.